from Relay FM. This is Connected, episode 127. Today's show is brought to you by our fine sponsors, and they are Mac Weldon, Encapsula, and Blue Apron. My name is Mike Hurley, and I am joined from my fellow European, Mr. Federico Vitici. Buongiorno, Mike. Ah, oh, ciao, Federico. Ciao. It's just me and you today. I know, I know. Steven is out uh, discovering uh, old Max. Yeah, I heard he was spotted in a forest somewhere in California trying to hunt mm-hmm. some kind of SE yeah. or something. He's, uh, he's actually also being tasked with choosing the name of the next version of macOS. So he's out exploring the, you know, the the the, 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 the wilderness Coolness. of California. Yeah. And, uh, good luck, Steven. Uh, we cannot wait for you to come back. So, Mike, this means... Uh, you should do follow up. Oh, this is always a disaster. When Come I try on, you, you can you can do it. You can do it. Just right. uh, roll up your sleeves and do the follow up. Come on. Luckily enough, follow up this week contains two stories about me, so <laughs> <laughs> should be easy enough. Um, after last week's episode, I decided I wanted to try out sleep tracking. So I thought I would. I downloaded um, Sleep Plus Plus underscores application. And I kind of was setting it up and realized that uh, before but like before I did it, I was like, oh, let me go and make sure I can change my watch settings. Uh, but it turns out, I didn't know this, you cannot set a independent do not disturb schedule for the Apple Watch. You can have it mirror what the iPhone does. You can turn do not disturb on and off manually, but you can't set a schedule like you can for the phone. And I don't really want to change my notification system because my phone is always on Do Not Disturb, right? Really? I, said this I forgot this. Uh, my we phone went through... is permanent Do Not Disturb. <laughs> we went through this insanity last year when we no. were traveling together. No, it's and a I... great system. <laughs> is it? I don't right, know. Right, so my phone is on Do Not Disturb and it receives all the notifications. So they're just oh, coming in, it's updating. I mean, I t- when I say all the notifications, I don't have notifications for every application, but all of the applications I want notifications for, it, it mm-hmm. goes. And then my watch gets a sub subset of those notifications pushed to it so my phone is like a command center it has everything there but the only the things that i deem important enough to to get to me go to my watch so that really works for me i like that system i'm sure apple will find some way to destroy that like they did the ordering of notifications which still upsets me greatly that it's grouped by day and not by app anymore it's just a nightmare disaster um, and it's a shame because I wanted to be able to wear my watch to do the, the sleep tracking, but I won't be able to do it because I'll be getting notifications on my watch all the time, or I have to put it into manual do not disturb, but I know I'm going to forget to do that, right? And then then I'm still going to get, and I'm going to get woken up, and then it's like, well, the sleep tracking application is now waking me up, and that feels like not really the thing you should be doing. So I think what I'm going to do, though, is to maybe set up... I, I, I think Sleep Plus Plus can do this. I know I believe the application that you used could do this as well, um, where it will kind of do sleep tracking without the watch, like based on movement of your phone and stuff like that. Um, so I might just try one of those, just so I can kind of get an idea of the length of sleep, but I won't be able to get what I... what I, I think I kind of want a little bit more, which is how I'm sleeping, you know? Um, what do you find interesting, Federico? Is it the, is it how long you're sleeping or how, like, because I know it can kind of give estimations of how well it thinks you're sleeping. No, no, not how well, because I don't necessarily believe that. Um, okay. Uh, it's mostly, yeah, how long I sleep and, and also um, the times of the year. Like, when, for example, if I, if I know 
like in November, um, two years ago, I had the two weeks of the iPad Pro review embargo. Mm-hmm. And that was terrible, honestly, because I was basically, you know, sleeping like four to five hours a day to get it done, you know, mm-hmm. in 10 days. So it, it, I want to, I want to know, of course, how much I sleep regularly, but also I want to spot trends during the year. So like the last week before the iOS 11 review or whenever the next iPad comes out, you know, that's going to be interesting for me to say, okay, so when stuff like this happens, I got to be prepared because I'm going to be sleeping on average like five or six hours a night instead of, you know, my my regular seven hours, ideally. So yeah, uh, it's mostly the length. I don't care about quality, honestly, uh, because okay. I, 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 yeah. Well, that's good to know because that means that if if that's all you're doing, I mean, I've spoken to a couple of other people and they seem to kind of say the same, that they're kind of really just using these applications as a way to track length of sleep as opposed to quality of sleep. Mm-hmm. I mean, honestly, the last thing that I do at night is put my phone down and the first thing that I do in the morning is pick it up again. But do I, so with these applications, do I have to tell it that I'm going to sleep? Is that a thing that you do? You have to, you have to actually go in and say, hey, it's uh, bedtime. With auto sleep, you don't need to. Right. Uh, that's what I use. It, it does a good job of you know figuring out on its own when you went to sleep and when you woke up. Um, okay. With others, you need to press a button or you know engage a specific mode, which I don't like because I know I'm gonna forget. Uh, one time I remember I was using uh, I think David's um, Sleep Plus Plus, and I forgot to to say in the morning uh, I woke up, and I forgot for several days. So I was a couple of Actually, maybe three days later, I was uh, looking at my sleep stats in, in the health app, and it told me I, w- I had been sleeping for like 50 hours, mm. uh, which good, was good interesting. Nice deep sleep, <laughs> Very sleepy. It's like uh, animal style, you know, <laughs> uh, sleeping in a cave for the winter season. <laughs> uh, no, so, yeah, I had to go into the health app and, and delete the entries. Um, so I need an automated solution. Otherwise, I'm going to be... You know, according to my phone, I'm going to be sleeping for 50 hours, which is not necessarily true. All right. Well, I'm going to I'm gonna try out both of these applications. And if I have any kind of like, if I come across anything interesting or, or any insights or whatever, I'll share them again on the show. But that's, uh, that's a, a nice little task for me to try out now as I try and get more data about my life, which is a, a thing that I'm working through right now. So, all right, I'll, I'll try it out. Uh, listener Ed wrote in to say, um, that he uses one of these. I saw this on Kickstarter. It's called the mm. Hello Sense. Yeah, yeah. And it's like this thing that you put next to your bed and then there's a thing that goes on the pillow. Um, I'm interested in, in something like this as well because, I, I don't know, like actually being on the pillow, it can maybe do some of that stuff and then it doesn't need my my phone. So um, this follow-up was, was given to Stephen, so I don't know mm-hmm. anything more about what Ed said. Stephen just put it in the document before he went on his vision quest. Um, so if anybody has one of these things, let me know on Twitter what you think about it. Um, and I'll put a link in the show notes as well. Or you could check out in our latest newsletter, mm. John as a mini review of the Hello Sense. Well, so, look at that. 
Look at yeah. that. And do you know what just happened to me? Just as right now, I have a notification pop up on my Mac that from John Voorhees that says, haha, the Hello Sense is what I wrote about in the newsletter. <laughs> so I'm getting this information from go. multiple so- sources. <laughs> well, there you go then. Uh, if you, if you have composed, if you've opened a, a, your Twitter application to compose a tweet to tell me, I don't want to know anymore because <laughs> I'm going to find out from it's John. Fine. fine. We're going to, we're going to read. <laughs> So uh, you should do what I'm gonna. I'm gonna wait for my newsletter because I am a diligent Club Max Stories member. Oh, thank you. Oh, thank you. But if you're not a Club Max Stories member and you want to know what John or I- thinks, or if of you're the not sense, diligent, also it's you know. Yeah, you Can gotta you, be. You gotta be a good member like Mike. You gotta be. I mean, well, otherwise, what's the point? Uh, and by the way, that is Hello Sense S E N S E. Um, we've already had somebody in the chat room that thought I was referring to the currency denomination of <laughs> cent. Uh, but no, it is it is cents, S-E-N-S-E. So there you go. There's some stuff. So some sleep tracking applications and tools and some ways to spend some money. That's that's what this show's all about, which I guess brings me into talking about my Hue lights. Okay. So I'm but- in love with them. Uh, <laughs> so I, ju- I just feel like we went from you not owning any home automation stuff to loving your new lights. I didn't I didn't own a home though. You know, well, I didn't have a place no, of my own. Now I do. We got lamps, you see. We bought lamps. Okay, so you bought lamps. So and we got you got two lamps and two these lamps, lamps okay. have two lights in them. They have a big light and then they have like a reading light that you can move around, right? Okay, yeah. So I bought a starter kit which came with three bulbs and like the hub and they were for the big lights. So I put those in, set it all up and both of us completely fell in love with this. Like me and Adina hmm. just absolutely love this system. Having the lights and turning them on uh, by using the Echo um, and changing the colors and changing the brightness. Um, we're both really into it. Like we really, really love it. So I then bought on the, the same day two more bulbs, the smaller bulbs to go in the other lamps. <laughs> and... I've been meaning to get a lamp for my office. So instead, I bought one of the Hue Go lamps, those little portable things, so I can keep it on my desk and we can move it around. So we are totally in on the Philips Hue lifestyle. And there's a couple of things that I really like. I am very surprised by how awesome the HomeKit switches are in Control Center. Yeah, yeah. Just And it's not because I thought that they would be bad. I just hadn't really thought about it. Mm-hmm. Because I was I was very focused on getting this stuff to work with my Echo, yeah. But the HomeKit switches are super easy to use. Um, I was very surprised at just how easy it was for me to share my uh, kind of HomeKit data with Adina. You can just do it in settings. You just share it with somebody else's iCloud account, and it shows up for her. And anything else that I added automatically showed up. And it's on all of my iOS devices. Like I've got to say, like. People think that I'm down on HomeKit. I'm not down on HomeKit. I actually think now I have some HomeKit devices. I think HomeKit is incredible, but there's just not enough product, yep. especially in Europe. My my concern is, and what annoys me, is there aren't enough HomeKit devices that I'm able to purchase. And and as I said before, like I really want my devices, all of my home automation things, to be HomeKit enabled and also for the uh, Amazon line of product. Mm-hmm. Um, because I, I want to make sure that I'm in both camps because I really like the Echo. I think the Echo works very well. Like Our favorite way to turn this stuff on and off is to speak to the Echo because it gets us every time. And 
I feel that with with Siri, it doesn't, you know, and I I I find that trickier. And also, I don't like the way, you know, I don't like the audible invoking of Siri, right? Where where you know you you say the hey telephone thing, that I find that to not work very well, and I have it turned off on my devices because I don't want my iPhone picking that stuff picking up that from anywhere because you know these things get accidentally triggered. So um, it, it, I find that. We find them. We like the Echo. We have a couple of those in the house, and it's a great way for us to turn it on and off. But I did use Siri, and, and Siri can do some really great stuff, like change the brightness level. It can dim the the hue lights, which I haven't been able to get the Echo to do. I don't know if it can do it, but I've struggled to get it to do it. Um, so, I mean, kind of what I'm saying is, honestly, I want Apple to make an Echo. That's what I want. Yeah, that's a dream, right? And, because and it, I would use Siri in the same way that I use the Echo, but I find the Echo to be better at understanding me because it is just this cylinder of microphones. Like, yes. it's going to. The technology is focused completely around that, where on the iPhone, there's a lot of things going on. So, I, you know, I think that all of the HomeKit stuff is really good, and when I've used Siri for it, it's worked well, it's worked fine. It's worked as good as mm-hmm. the, the Echo, but I can't get the, I can't get Siri to work for me in the way that the Echo works for me. We have two in the house now. We have one in my office and one in the kind of the front room slash kitchen, and it can and we can be in any room in the house and it will hear us because we have those two. We can just talk to it from anywhere in the house. We don't have to have any devices with us. They don't have to be mm-hmm. on us. You know, like I always have, we always have our watches on, our Apple watches, but that mm-hmm. doesn't always work with Siri, right? Like you, you press mm-hmm. it and it's like, hey, give me a minute, I'll tap you, which is like the worst possible thing that device can do. So anyway, I, I like that I'm able to control all of these things in a bunch of different ways. Um, Echo is our favorite way to do it, but I'm really, really impressed with the Hue lights, like really impressed with them. There's a, something about the comparison between the Echo and Siri that it's not easy to convey. And I think it boils down to the fact that the Echo feels nice to yeah. use. Yeah, It's just nice. Um, you can talk to it and listen to music. You can have multiple Echoes around the house and it picks up, you know, depending on what's the, the, the nearest one. It only activates that one. Mm-hmm. And and I feel like you can do so if you were to write to write an article, you know, comparing Siri to the Echo. Um, there's so many areas where Siri is superior to what Amazon is doing, but the the single fact that sh- that you have this cylinder of microphones that listen to you, that understand you, and that liberate you from having to activate a phone or a watch, and it works with so many devices. It's just so easy and so nice. Mm-hmm. And I can do the same things with Siri. I can actually do better things sometimes. For example, with the U-Lights, uh, you can specify um, colors by name. So you can say, like, turn my lights white. You know, and Siri has a deeper vocabulary. Than I didn't the, know that. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. has a deeper vocabulary of actions. Because Apple is actually doing good work, you know, with uh, supporting multiple dictionaries and multiple languages that's nice but it's not as nice as just you know you're washing the dishes or you're cooking and you just turn around and speak to you know to the echo and you're done or you can just summon any type of music so that's nice and but i also want to want to agree with you 
when you say the control center is pretty great. And I don't know, if, but my my impression is that the control center redesign isn't as appreciated by um, tech people, techies that I follow on Twitter, as it should be. And and I think you know splitting up on multiple pages, uh, the uh, system shortcuts, the music shortcuts, and the control, uh, the HomeKit stuff. I think it makes a lot of sense, and I'm a fan of. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna use this uh, point to make another. I'm a fan of HomeKit and Control Center because it it allows me to control my home in silence, just by tapping. And I think the HomeKit page in Control Center is the strongest argument in favor of a future Siri that you should be able to text with. Mm. Because I want to do it in silence. Just like I can control my home by tapping and swiping in mm-hmm. Control Center, I want to do the same with all of the other things that Siri can do. And I'm going to give you some tips, Mike, for if you if you... I don't know if you didn't read my review or if you just don't know so you can long tap the lights in control center oh yeah and you can dim them right you can dim them but you can also tap on color Mm -hmm. you can switch the colors from control center and you can actually tap the edit button and you get this color wheel inside control center okay so so yeah that's very cool i like that Uh, i like that i like the little dimming thing i like that it's like this big switch that pops up and um, again, like in, in great design, you don't have to put your finger on the little grabber. Like if you yeah. can just move it yeah. up and down from yes. wherever your finger currently is. It's very well made. I mean, it's all very well done. Um, it's But it really honestly feels to me like the HomeKit software team is further ahead than the hardware stuff. Because, I mean, I don't know yeah. what it is about the certifications or whatever, um, or if the chips are expensive, I don't know. But it seems like that there's something there which is... Which is making less products. I mean, there are there are products. And see, then it's like I want to try and buy products that can be used for both things. But currently, it's really difficult to find stuff yeah. like switches are, in the UK, as we sort of, and, and in Europe that work with both. They exist in the US, but not here. There was an article last week. Um, John linked it on Mac Stories about the differences between certification for the Amazon Icon and HomeKit. And whereas with the, with Amazon, you can get a get approved for the Echo in like less than a week, really. Mm-hmm. Uh, some companies, it took them four to five months Jeez. to be approved by Apple. So it's a very long process. I don't know if Apple is doing something wrong or I don't know if it, this is by design because you want to test, you know, for several months. It does seem to me like it's a little too long. Maybe if you can get it down to, you know, only takes a month, uh, then you have one week versus a month, but Apple certification is a lot more... Uh, you know, rigorous and and it makes uh, sure that all of your devices are secure. Four to five months uh, seems uh, you know a bit too long. Yeah, like I'm all for the security aspect. Like that's really great. Like I'm pleased that that is there. And yeah, it is. It but is you know, it. you know what happens if if you don't have any HomeKit devices, then you end up buying devices from the competition, yeah. which defeat the whole purpose of wanting to make sure that your customers are secure. Yep. I feel there has to be a, a balance between convenience and security. And some of that yeah. convenience comes yeah. in there actually being the products available. Yeah. And you can make the same argument about services. You know, if Apple doesn't improve their services and people switch yeah. to something else, then then what? Right? 
you're just making sure that people buy your phone, but then you just, you know, put their data into someone else's bucket, basically. So Yeah, and it's like, you know, at least it feels like Apple's kind of cause on security and stuff is like a philosophical thing. So if that, if that is it, then you should be protecting your customers from needing to, to go and do those yeah. things, I guess. So I guess our conclusion is we like HomeKit. Like we want to we want to give Apple our money, mm-hmm. uh, but there's just not enough stuff, at least in Europe. So fingers crossed for the future, maybe. I think so. Yeah. Today's episode of Connected is brought to you by Mac Weldon. Mac Weldon makes fantastic clothing. They make underwear, socks, shirts, undershirts, hoodies, and sweatpants. And if you're wearing any of these items of clothing and they're not Mack Weldon, well, I can tell you with some certainty that what Mack Weldon makes is better than what you're wearing right now. Because they believe in smart design, premium fabrics, and simple shopping, also with great prices. I, I, I've bought some Mack Weldon stuff. They were uh, kind enough to arrange for me to get some stuff sent over. And I absolutely love all of the things that I have there. The quality is so good. Um, I bought some uh, some some sweatpants, which I talk about a bunch, and and I bought some some other items of underwear, Federico, and uh, I think that they're very comfortable, and I like them a lot, and I like the patterns. Um, I got these bright orange thing ones with all these fantastic patterns on them, and the I could get the socks and the uh, boxes to match, which I, it makes me feel fancy if I can wear a matching pattern. <laughs> You know, you got to feel fancy every once in a while, and uh, Mac Weldon lets you do that. They also have a line of uh, silver underwear and undershirts that are naturally antimicrobial. That means that they get rid of odor. It's all fancy science stuff around there at Mac Weldon. That's what they believe in. But, and they also want you to be comfortable. This is very important to them. These are the types of clothing that they make. They want you to be comfortable. So if you don't like what you buy from Mac Weldon, if you do not like your first pair, just keep it, and they'll refund you. No questions asked. They don't want you to send the underwear back. Please don't send it back. Keep it, and they'll give you the money back if you don't like it. But I'm very confident that you will. Mac Weldon's underwear, socks, and shirts look good and perform well. They're going to be great if you're going out on a date, if you're just going to work, or even just lounging around the house, or, I don't know, getting on an airplane and wanting to be comfortable for 12 hours. Listeners of this show can get 20% off at MacWeldon.com with the code CONNECTED. That is M-A-C-K-W-E-L-D-O-N.com. Code CONNECTED for 20% off. Thank you so much to Mac Weldon for their support of this show and Relay FM. Super Mario Run. Okay, uh, so we're going to talk about video games. Today. Video okay. games. Okay, so uh, today which is January the uh, 31st, Um, Mm -hmm. Nintendo released uh, as part of their earnings some information about how Super Mario Run has been performing uh, on the uh, Apple App Store, the iOS App Store. Mm -hmm. Um, Nintendo has disclosed that the game has been downloaded more than 78 million times worldwide, and just over 5% of these people have paid for the in-app purchase, which has generated them around $53 million in revenue. Um, apparently, 5% is a very impressive conversion yes. rate based on yeah. the mobile gaming industry, but yeah. Nintendo are not happy. They were hoping for a double-digit conversion rate, and they consider Super Mario Run to not have met their expectations. Yeah, um, basically 5% conversion rate at $10 is very high by mobile standards. Uh, but Nintendo were hoping to get, I guess, something like 20% conversion rate 
so I don't know what they're going to do. They rolled out some changes today, such as an easy mode, for example, that makes the game easier for people. You get infinite bubbles when running through a level, and also you don't get a time limit anymore. So I guess they're, Nintendo is finding themselves in the strange position that we were uh, we were discussing this was going to happen. Um, they're appealing to both uh, hardcore Nintendo fans and people who just browse the App Store and don't care about Nintendo's history or Nintendo's, you know, games quality. They just see a free game and they see it's $10 and whatever, I'm not going to pay $10. Uh, So it's a very strange and odd position for Nintendo to be in, and they better get used to this um, Mm -hmm. because they're going to do more mobile games. In fact, the next Nintendo game, Fire Emblem uh, Heroes, I think it's launching in, what, two days? Comes out on Thursday, yeah. Comes out on Thursday, uh, iOS and Android, which is a ch- change from Super Mario Run, which uh, launched on the iPhone and iPad exclusively at first. And also Fire Emblem, it, it seems like Polygon has an overview today. It seems like it's more in line with the classic uh, free-to-play uh, mechanics of mobile games. Mm-hmm. So, you know, 5% at $10 is fine. Nintendo were, was hoping for more, but I'm not surprised. No, neither am I. Um, I wonder if... Uh, one thing I wonder is, did they expect 78 million downloads? Because they may have not got the the percentage that they were looking for, but I wonder how the revenue has been for them. Like, if they consider that revenue to be more or less than what they expected as well. I don't know. Uh, also, Nintendo announced today that Animal Crossing has been delayed. Um, they said that it won't be that it will be some it won't be in this financial year. It will arrive in the next financial year, which means sometime between April 2017 yes. uh, and March 2018. So they, they're being very cagey about this. So they've delayed it. Um, this this was I, I reckon Animal Crossing could be a big hit for mobile platforms mm-hmm. as they do it right. My theory about this Federico is that uh, it will be coming in maybe in sometime in May, April May time. Um, but they're deciding to put all of their marketing focus on the Switch. Yeah, could be. Could be. Or they're just spending more time making sure that they can squeeze all of the free-to-play money oh, no. there is in Animal Crossing. I'm worried know? about this. I'm worried that this this conversion rate is going to push them to be more aggressive. Exactly. And I want to ask you, do you feel like this 5% conversion rate could have been better if the game didn't have an online requirement, no, because I can I can tell you, uh, it we, would have we, been better. But I don't think it, I don't think that this is the reason that it wasn't ten percent, for example. Mm-hmm. I think it's definitely going to make an effect to people, but I'm I'm not sure that it it would have been that that big of a, of a of a of a hit for them, honestly. I just, I, I just see, you know, uh, we went on vacation and mm-hmm. uh, Sylvia wanted to play the game. Other friends of mine wanted to play the game so much, but without an internet connection, they couldn't because, yep. you know, we, we were yep. in the mountains and then we were abroad and we didn't have the internet, mm-hmm. so they couldn't play. Oh, it's or, super a, annoying. It's super annoying. Like, I, it's I hit it all the time. It's one of my favorite iOS games of all time. I love it, but I can't play it as much as I want to, because mm-hmm. I might be underground. Yeah. Or sometimes, like, I'm on the train, right? Like, exactly. an, like an overground yes. train, and I have a connection. I have a decent connection, but it's like, nope, not good enough. Like, what is the problem? Like, it, it not only requires an internet connection, it seems to require a very strong 
Yes, it needs to be a strong one because I don't know what it needs to do, but it needs to be a solid one. Like if you have a poor single bar of 3G, uh, that's not going to cut it. Going to say you need a stronger internet connection. Um, I do wonder at this point. So we we, we are already seeing that the next game, Fire Emblem, is going to push more aggressively for free-to-play mechanics, Mm -hmm. you know, uh, with in-app purchases, with gems, whatever. Mm. Um, So... I'm wondering now it's going to be a descent into the standards of free-to-play. So they started with Super Mario Run. Beautiful, elegant game. Only asks you to pay $10 once. Then they're going to do Fire Emblem, which seems to be more aggressive than Mario Run. What's going to happen with Animal Crossing? Because Animal Crossing is perfect material for free-to-play stuff, whether it's buying you know coins or buying objects in the game. It just seems like Nintendo is... You know, they, they kind of hit a wall, which is people, and now they're going to figure out a plan to be like everybody else, which kind of concerns me. And Yeah, and it feels yeah, you know. c- counter to everything that they were saying when the game came out, right? Like, And that's yeah. weird to me. It's like you, you read this big deal about how nice the game was and how good you were going to be. But now, I don't know. I I don't know. I don't want to see them go down this this hole. I, I don't think that this neither. is the right solution to that to the to, to this conversion rate problem. But maybe we just need to. Maybe we're we are wrong, Mike. Maybe we just need to accept mm-hmm. that. Yeah, I know. There, there's I know. consoles, and on video game consoles, you get you know traditional games that yeah. you pay fifty dollars, and when it comes to phones, you just play that stuff. And that's fine, mm. because a lot of people have fun with that. A lot of my people play uh, Clash of Clans, and what's the other name? I, I don't know. God of War? No. N- no. Something the, of War? No, no, no. The, the, from the same company. There's, oh, Clash Royale? Yes, that one. Yeah. And a lot of my people, lo- uh, my friends love it, right? They spend a lot of time with it, and it's fine. I look at their phones kind of in a mix of surprise and disgust, but I know I'm wrong because I shouldn't be disgusted because that's a game and people have fun with it. It's just me. I'm stuck I in play my, them, you know, I, I, I I'm play stuck those games. in my ideas of what video games should be. But maybe I should just grow up and accept that you know this is what games are today on phones and it's fine. People like them. There's money to be made, and you know, me and you are the problem, not the games. Maybe but that's what there we need are to ways to make games like this. Are there? Yeah, I don't know. There are. I mean, and I, I will always come back to it. But PewDiePie Tuba Simulator is a in-app purchase game that has those those things in it, and it has all the time limit stuff. But it's done in such a way that it doesn't feel like it's like forcing you to but to give money. And I feel it's because it was made in collaboration with someone who really understands video games and has a taste. Um, and honestly, that game, like of all of the free-to-play and app purchase-based games that I've played, it's the one where I haven't really felt the need to give any money to it at all. I did because it was a game that I liked enough that I wanted to support it. But what I've got, like the 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 kind of the the I think I can't remember, it's like Tuba Box or something, right? Which will speed stuff up. I didn't need them. They, they 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 didn't really speed up my game in any way. Like it was everything else was fine as it was, and I kind of kept that like the the, the gems or whatever it would be around for long enough that I ended up just spending them on like little things to put in the the, the room that you have, which I didn't need just because so I could spend them. 
um, it's a great it's a great way to for the type of game like this to be made. But we'll see. I mean, I hope that that Nintendo are focusing on that, and Animal Crossing won't just be like pay us fifty dollars to speed up your crops and, and all that stuff. That's going to happen for sure. Yeah. It's but happen. it can be done well, and I just hope that they <laughs> they find a way to do that. Mm. Um, there is a new application that came out today um, yes. that. Um, friend of the show has been mentioned many times already today john Voorhees wrote a review about for uh this website called max stories which i'm familiar hate, with hate that website it's terrible isn't it yeah. yeah anyway uh it's called linear um or linear which is is an application from the icon factory mm-hmm. uh it is a sketching app so uh, akin to something like um Paper, I think, is probably the one it's closest to, Paper by 53. Because it's not an application like uh, Procreate, which is full of a million tools. This has like five tools or something um, and a bunch of color selections. Uh, The tools are really good. I like them. I was playing around with the application today. Really, I think uh, you can use it with your finger, uh, but I think this is really made for the the pencil on the iPad Pro primarily. Um, I like that uh, the UI gets out of the way. This is a problem I have with Paper by 53. I feel like the UI is... I'm constantly fighting to get it to hide and come back again. But it seems like the Icon Factory's done a really good job of, of basically just putting a button in the on the mm-hmm. user interface to, to bring and uh, and, and hide the, the uh, tools, which I think is great. Um, when you're using the Apple Pencil, if you use your finger, it turns your finger is an eraser. So you can draw with the pencil and then just rub erase with your finger. I love that. You can tell that this application has been made by somebody who actually would use it, right? Like a yeah. like an artist, um, you know, like a designer, which obviously mm. that's what the Arkham Factory are all about. Um, the color selection tools are brilliant. So you pick a color and it gives you a selection of shades that work with that color. So other colors that work with that color. So you can... Uh, mix and match things quite nicely, especially especially good for design. Um, it has great sharing tools. It has um, a bunch of paper types, which is fun, and also some like grids. So it has you know regular grids, dot grids, lines, uh, and it, but it also has templates for uh, iPhone apps, for icons, and for storyboards for for video stuff. I love that sort of stuff when people like give it a tone of voice like that. I think it's really cool. Um, it has great sharing options as well. So you can share mm-hmm. the entire thing that you've drawn, or you can like select an area of it and share it. It has a very bold price, which is nine ninety nine. And I say that it's again nine ninety nine is not the most amount of money in the world, but in context of the App Store economy, a nine ninety nine application. Yeah, people is, are gonna say it's expensive. Yeah, yeah <laughs> because it is expensive in context, and the context is other apps. Right. Yeah. We're not yeah, talking yeah. about how many lattes you're buying. We're talking about applications, and in the context of applications, that is an expensive application. Yeah. But uh, I bought it because I wanted to try it out, and I'm pleased that I have it. And honestly, I think that this will probably become a replacement for Paper by Fifty Three mm-hmm. for me because the it feels UI more is intuitive. Yeah, yeah, the UI is more what what I want. Yeah. Um, I guess the only thing, I mean, look, I'm already asking for stuff, but the only thing that would be down <laughs> for me is, um, and, I, and this was more of a thing when, when we were buying uh, furniture and stuff, Paper has an iPhone app. And I was able to draw stuff out on my iPad, and then when we were in Ikea measuring stuff up, I was able to open the Paper iPhone app and see everything that I'd written. Now, I guess one way around this, and how I would get around this if I was using Linear, would just be to export all of my images to Apple Notes. And I could view them there, but 
just just a thought. Uh, but it's just like again, just a slight change in my workflow for what I actually think is a better app for what I need, which is basic sketches and stuff like that. Um, again, one other thing that I would love to see them implement is a way to bring in images into the mm. application. Because one thing that I've used paper in the past for um, is to kind of wireframe stuff and to like bring some images in and say like, oh, I want to change this, I want to change that. And I have other applications on my iO on my iPad that can do stuff like that. But I think it would be really nice considering this is an application that I'm expecting will be used by a lot of designers. Like let's say you could bring in a, a screenshot of an app that you're working on and you could have that on one side and then you could draw out the new UI on the other side. So I think that would be kind of cool if they mm-hmm. could maybe find a way to bring images in. But just for like scribbling and, and sketching stuff out and making some notes okay. and in, a, in an artistic way, uh, I think mm-hmm. that this is a, a really great application for it. And I recommend people trying it, especially if you have a, a pencil for your iPad Pro. Yeah, and if you go check out the review on MacStories, you can you can see uh, which are the images that John drew and which are the default ones. So obviously John drew the tiger. Tiger, yeah, and, great and tiger drawing. Great John tiger, there, John, yeah. great job. And and the chart with the synergy and the corporations obviously is one of the default stock. images. Yes, a stock uh, image. Stock image. Yeah. So great job, John, with the review and the tiger. Uh, well done. I heard he did that in four minutes, that tiger. Oh, that's what you one of the skills that you develop by working at Max Stories. You know, we have a Supreme we have an intense we have a we have an intense drawing course that you go through before starting to become a full time writer. Yeah, mm. and yes. one of one of the one of the subjects are tigers. <laughs> it's real Renaissance stuff, right? I mean, that's. That is the Italian in you coming out. Some real, some real Renaissance. Okay, I'm, I'm like, I'm just sitting down, people, and be like, okay, look, you, you need to cover the news. You need to keep an eye on Apple rumors, and then you need to draw tigers. And if you can't, you're out of here. Like, I don't want nothing. Part of to do the deal, with you. you know? Yeah. yeah, that's how it works. Let's talk about Fitbit. So we were talking about Fitbit a couple of weeks ago when they bought Pebble. Um, Fitbit today. Um, or yesterday, I think it might have been yesterday actually, announced um, a bunch of layoffs, unfortunately. Uh, Fitbit, and this is part of a, a pre-quarterly kind of quarterly results uh, information that they were giving out to their investors. Um, Fitbit have warned their investors that their upcoming quarterly results uh, are not going to be very good. Um, they have apparently experienced what they referred to as softer-than-expected demand for their product. I don't know if soft... Soft demand, softer than expected. I don't. Soft feels like a word that somebody told them to say because it sounds less harsh. It it, it sounds kind of cute, you know. Softer than expected. It's like there's there's like people apologizing for not buying Fitbits. It's very strange. Um, That Fitbit are expected to land somewhere between five hundred and seventy-two and five hundred and eighty million dollars in revenue for Q four. But they targeted seven hundred and twenty-five million, mm. um, and when they originally set this target of between seven twenty-five and seven fifty, their stock fell thirty percent when they set the seven fifty target. But they're actually only going to hit between five seventy-two and five eighty. Mm. So the the investment community already felt that seven fifty wasn't good enough. Yeah, okay. and now they've only hit like two thirds of that. Yeah, um, that's, that's not that's, good. That's not, I'm not an investor, but that doesn't seem good. To not me. good at all. Uh, when you lose thirty percent of your stock price, and then you don't even meet the target that 
resulted in that fall. It's not mm. good for your company. Um, Fitbit are crediting slow growth in mature markets as the reason for missing their targets. They've had growth in some other markets like Europe, but I'm expecting that means the US, like existing markets that they're already mature, like they've already done a lot of business in. They haven't seen growth in those markets. Uh, Fitbit is going to lay off around 6% of their workforce, which is roughly 110 people, but they are not discussing which parts of the business will receive these layoffs. They're also looking to reduce operating expenses by $200 million this year, which makes this whole thing upsetting when you think that they just spent $40 million on Pebble. $40 million is a lot of other people's jobs, right? And yeah. you would assume that Pebble knew, so that Fitbit knew this situation was bad before they made the acquisition. Yeah, it was like a month ago, I think. Yeah. So I would expect that this $40 million that they've spent on Pebble is kind of like a Hail Mary um, in the hopes that Pebble can help them push the company in a new direction to maybe, quite frankly, save them from going under. Because uh, if they continue down this path, right, that they, I mean, it's, this is a bad path that they're on. You know, that they are, they're not doing what their investors are expecting. And then they are, underperforming against those targets so i'm wondering if pebble is kind of like a bad omen like is fitbit going to go the same way that pebble did i think so and i i wouldn't be surprised if fitbit eventually sells out to some company like samsung honestly Mm -hmm, Um, mm -hmm. that's what that's what i see happening consolidation in this market with some big phone company whether that's samsung or I don't know, HTC probably, uh, buying up, you know, what's left of Fitbit and Pebble together. I I just don't see Fitbit working out as an independent company anymore. Um, With Apple Watches getting cheaper, uh, you know, with with Samsung doing a pretty good job with their gear stuff, um, there is a market for for these cheaper, you know, uh, fitness trackers. I, I don't know if there is a market for a company that only does this type of thing. Uh, I see these devices as accessories to a phone. And to have an independent company that, you know, wants to have these big plans uh, like Fitbit and then missing out on, you know, projections and, and, and you know, goals that they set for themselves, I, I just don't see it working out in the long term, personally. Um, it's pointed out to us in the chat room by the story so far that uh, they also bought a company called Vector, which is a, a smartwatch company um, that's been operating in Europe. So Fitbit bought them as well uh, a couple of weeks ago. So I think at this point, they are definitely seeing this smartwatch stuff as their way through to this. Uh, but I am not sure. I think as it stands right now, I don't think that the market is big enough to support an independent company that just sells this stuff yeah i think that these devices need to be part of a larger product offering as a way to build an ecosystem which is why companies like huawei and apple and samsung can support this because it ties into their phones and they might be able to take a bit of a loss on these devices whilst they're trying to push it forward honestly um from where we are right now of everything that we know, I cannot see smartwatches being the revolution that people hope they would, like smartphones. I, I don't I don't see it. I don't see it. Because smartphones took off immediately. 
smartwatches. I don't know if they are. I like having mine in my life. I hope that these devices are around for as long as I can think of. Because I like I like my Apple Watch. I get a lot of utility out of it. Um but I really don't think that these that companies that just do this along for this world because Fitbit will never be able to make a product as tied into the devices as Apple can um, and as a com- maybe a company that uses Android Wear. And if a company is using Android Wear, there's kind of no reason that you would necessarily buy Fitbit. It's going to be whatever one is the most aesthetically pleasing to you. And frankly, there are enough uh, cell phone makers in the world to give you the choice that you need mm. with Android Wear watches. So I, mm. I don't know if Fitbit are going to be able to, to... Honestly, I don't think they're going to be able to pull this one out of the bag, which is a shame, but I just I just don't see the market that they're trying to they're trying to go for and trying to own. I don't get... I don't see it. It's a shame because a lot of people work there. Yeah, it's a shame and it's... It's very sad. And it makes me sad whenever a company, you know, goes under. It's very, it's very sad. But I look at it this way. Um, with the smartphone, we had a new sun, right? Let's mm-hmm. talk about it in space terms. Let's do that. We, yeah. had, this new, we, we had this sun. <laughs> and we were hoping with smartwatches and with other devices, the, we were hoping to find another sun, another big new thing that sustains everything. And instead, I think what we're ending up with is we're not discovering any new suns, but we're developing a solar system with the, with the smartphone at the center of everything and smaller planets, accessories, revolving around it, whether that's home automation or that's smartwatches and fitness trackers, mobile VR. I just feel like we were so focused on the, 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 the challenge of finding the next big thing Mm-hmm. We're, we just ended up building things around what we already had. And that's not bad at all, you know, because the smartphone is the best computer we ever had. But if you think about it, all of the next big things are ending up being, you know, uh, planets, accessories to the to the phone. Moons, even. <laughs> Mo- <You know. laughs> sometimes moons, not yeah. even planets. Uh, so, yeah, I, I agree with you on smartwatches. And if you think about it, that's the same for... VR and to an extent, it maybe will be the same deal with speakers in the home. So we'll see. Today's show is also brought to you by our friends over at Encapsula, the cloud service that makes your website faster and safer. They have a worldwide network that is able to inspect every single packet that comes and goes from your lovely website, and they will block attacks against your site whilst delivering your content to your customers faster. And faster. Encapsula protects and accelerates over 4 million websites every single day from people who have just, you know, it's like a, a one man band, a one person band, an individual blogger who has their own site, all the way up to some of the very biggest companies in the world, Fortune 500 companies. Like if you go to Encapsula's website, you can see some of their customers, you see some testimonials, you see the logos of some of the companies that they work with. And trust me, there are many companies that you know in that list. They have tons of resources that you're able to take advantage of to help your website load like a dream, as well as a 24-7's operations team who are there whenever you need them. They Encapsula have over 100,000 customers, and these customers own millions of websites that are spread across the web. Encapsula have got this covered. You're going to be well protected. You're in good company. Your site 
will be lightning fast. As a listener of this show, you can get one whole month of service for free. All you need to do is go to encapsula.com slash connected. That's I-N-C-A-P-S-U-L-A dot com slash connected. This is where you'll find out more about Encapsula's great service and claim your free month. Thank you so much to Encapsula for their support of this show and Relay FM. So Federico, you were recently uh, taking a trip and yes. you were doing as you always do, like the David Attenborough of technology that you are. Mm-hmm. You were observing your friends, making notes. We do yeah. this every now and then. Federico goes on a trip and he comes back to tell us what the people who are, who don't care about the comings and goings of uh, Apple and Fitbit, yeah. the kind of things that they use on a daily basis. So what have you observed, Federico? So I went on a couple of trips, one mm-hmm. for a New Year's Eve and the other in Spain a couple of weeks ago. And I've been keeping track of, as I always do, uh, stuff that people do with their smartphones mostly mm-hmm. and what apps they use and what services they use. So I came up with a list. And the first big trend that I saw and that I see as uh, shared by many, many people um, is... Instagram stories are actually taking off. A lot of people are using them. Yep. And they've become the default way to quickly mm-hmm. share what you're up to without having to post on Facebook or having the baggage of remembering that a picture is forever. Instead, these stories disappear after 24 hours. But more importantly, they're uh, eating into Snapchat uh, success. Because Instagram copied Snapchat, and yep. now people are using it more. There's even an article on TechCrunch today uh, or yesterday, I think, about the success of Instagram stories. So I asked my friends about it, and the response is um, exactly what we expected, uh, which is Snapchat had it before, but now that Instagram has it, uh, it's more convenient because I use Instagram anyway. That's always been the response. And what I find interesting is two things. One is just how much people use it. Again, um, multiple times a day, whether it's for pictures, for animations, for videos, with stickers added on top, with effects, uh, with text added uh, on top of a video. So people actually use the feature in their entirety. But also how people just don't care about who came first. We... And by we, I mean you, you know, you and I and the people who listen to this show, we care about the, some sort of moral. Uh, yeah, like the, you the, know, the, the value of ideas. The value of ideas. It, yeah. and, I, and I think we have, a, we, have a, we have some principles, which is, you know, innovation, we should respect who came first. And, you know, that's a whole other topic. But people just don't care, man. It's like uh, when I mentioned, uh, you know, Snapchat did it first. They're like shrugging, be like, yeah, whatever. But now Instagram has it, so I just want to use Instagram. I mean, I know that uh, I I don't really post there as often as I would like, I think. Um, But I very frequently will look at the Instagram stories because, I mean, I I look at Instagram every day, right? Like at some point in the day, I'll open it up and I'll see a bunch of people who've got their stories and I just flick through them. And, And I don't do that with Snapchat chat so much honestly um i experimented with snapchat you know the last time i think me and you hosted the show together we spoke about it at length but frankly it's it's just not something that has stayed prevalent in my life now this could be 
a European thing or an Italian thing. Could be that my friends are not teenagers, they're 20-somethings. Uh, but it's definitely a trend that I saw, you know, picking up in the in the past couple of months. And especially with the holidays, uh, I feel like a lot more people are coming together and it's becoming a trend. And now my Instagram is filled not just by the stories of, you know, the nerds that I you know, know on Twitter and also follow on Instagram, but normal people that I have on Facebook and now are also on Instagram. So it's some, definitely some that you know the, the most important trend that I that I noticed. The second one is going to surprise you, Mike, and it's people don't mind paying for iCloud. Now, um, that's weird. I should say I convinced many of my friends to pay. Um, and, you know, because that's what I do whenever people say, hey, how do I, you know, free up some storage? And it's like, well, <laughs> at some point you got to pay if you want more. Uh, but I, you know, what I, by talking to a few friends of mine, it doesn't seem like uh, they they find iCloud so terrible after all. Because they say, look, it keeps my backups and it keeps my photos and videos. It's a little bit annoying if, whenever you need to download a, f- a picture from iCloud and you know you see the spinner, but I know I won't lose my pictures anymore and I know I will always be able to restore from a backup. So whether it's, you know, I gotta pay a euro every month or three euros, it's fine. And I still think Apple should lower the price of iCloud plans and they should offer more mm-hmm. free storage. Mm-hmm. But uh, I was surprised to see people not hating the idea of having to pay for an additional service so much. Hmm. Yeah. That is surprising to me. I mean, <laughs> I don't really think about it too much, but uh, I do know that I don't think I get a value for money with my with my cloud mm. storage, like compared to other companies, right? Like it, it doesn't. I don't feel like I get enough storage for money that I pay. Hmm. Really? Yeah, I, I mean, what am I? What am I on right now? I mean, I, I feel like so. Let me see what I have here. So I'm on the uh, 200 gigabyte plan, which is two pound fifty a month. Uh, I think yeah. it's okay, but I think that there should be more. I think there should be more free storage that you get, honestly. Um, and yeah, I agree. Mm-hmm. I I feel I don't know I I, I feel like that, that that there needs to be more there. I mean I think that the value for money really starts in like at what point they start making you pay. I mean two pound fifty is not a lot of money, but I feel like you're kind of maybe more than other services pushed into the paying tier quicker. Yeah, I'm. Yeah, I agree. I'm just gonna say you should be able to keep your entire iMessage backup in iCloud. And restore it independently, kind of like you can do with WhatsApp, you know, because it's, you know, the the entire uh, iCloud backup system needs to be rethought because it's it's either you restore everything or you cannot, you know, handpick Uh one at a time the service or the app that you want to restore. So I feel like there should be more flexibility. There should be better integration with iMessage. I should be able to do what I do with WhatsApp, which is I keep it in iCloud. Um, I keep my conversations and I keep my attachments, and then whenever I want, I can just restore my conversations. Uh, instead, with the with the iCloud backups, you need to restore the entire device, which is inconvenient. It's not convenient, you know. Um, still, people pay for iCloud. I would love to have some stats from Apple. We're never gonna see them, uh, but uh, yeah, it's definitely definitely something that I noticed. Again, with something that I wasn't expecting. Um, 
and especially with a friend of mine who's uh, from Spain, mm-hmm. they use Siri quite a bit, um, especially to send messages, to uh, you know, to set timers, to do the usual. Huh. But the problems they mentioned were kind of uh, the same, which is when I have to search for something with a specific name, Siri usually gets it wrong. And this complaint was uh, mentioned quite often in relation to maps. So searching for specific places in maps to load uh, directions. But for everything else, uh, both Italian and Spanish friends, they said that they use Siri quite a bit to uh, set timers, play music, send messages, which is interesting because they said, I send messages both with iMessage and with WhatsApp because now it's possible. But I should say... For one of my friends, I needed to explain to him how to enable the WhatsApp integration because he couldn't figure out, you know, the iOS 10 uh, Siri feature. But now that he has the setting enabled, uh, he uses it uh, with WhatsApp every day, basically. I've never even used the Siri kit thing. Mm. Yeah. Uh, And I I think if Apple manages to make it easier to, to... you know, from the Siri interface to say which apps are supported now. I know that you can tap the question mark and you need to scroll to the to the bottom, but right, you get it. It's like two steps that people are never gonna see. So if Apple makes it easier to see what are the integrations that Siri supports and if they open up to more types of apps, I think Siri Kit can can honestly become quite a hit with people. Um, but uh, the complaint about searching. And, you know, getting the name of a place wrong. If you think about it, search in any type of service, in any type of app, if one of a- is one of Apple's weakest points. Uh, whether it's App Store search or Map search, I think Apple needs to rethink their search <laughs> engine <laughs> everywhere. But also, dic- uh, dictating, basically, a name to Siri needs to get better. Uh, because... It- whether it's a person's name or a place name or a business name, you know, for some store you want to go to. When I think about it, it's not uncommon that Siri gets you wrong or that maps cannot find it. Uh, Whether it's an accent or an apostrophe that I didn't put in the name, it's crazy that you cannot find it, right? Mm -hmm. Um, So, you know, it, it, it is a problem, but I also found it interesting that people use Siri because if you just read tech blogs, they're gonna tell you, well, nobody uses Siri. I don't think that's accurate. I think people use Siri, and I think people are surprisingly into the idea of SiriKit, even if they don't know what SiriKit means. Uh, but Apple needs to do better. It needs to make it easier to discover apps, and needs to open it up to more types of apps, and needs to improve search and how you can look for specific places and specific businesses with Siri and Maps. I would say that I am, I definitely suffer from Siri prejudice. In that mm-hmm. I expect that, ev- that I don't bother to use any Siri kit and have never tried to even think about using any Siri kit integrations because my expectation is just that Siri won't be able to do it. And mm-hmm. and I know that that is, um, that is a, a, a bad assumption to make. I mean, it's based on past history and, of course, Siri could have gotten a lot better. But I just have this, like prejudicial assumption that it's just it's just not going to work like i I, i've already made my mind up before i even tried it it's like no it's not going to work and and i don't know um how apple break that 
even if they need to break it because I don't, I'm sure that they know and have a much better idea of the usage numbers. And if it does turn out that like people that aren't reading tech blogs or listening to this show every day are using Siri like a bunch, then they know how it's doing, right? I mean, I, I, from my personal experience, like family and friends, I don't see people using it. But your anecdotal experience is, of course, very interesting, right? Because that is a group of people that are, and it's not coming from any uh, any pushing from somebody like yourself to do it. So, I mean, yeah. I would be... I'm interested to see, of course, how Apple continued to push Siri because I think that voice is... It is a new control interface that is really being explored now a lot, right? Um, and, and I hope that they're able to do something which really, like, brings me back. Because, frankly, like, the Siri kit stuff, it doesn't feel compelling enough to me. Like, I'm not like, oh, I have to order an Uber with my voice instead. Mm-hmm. Because that's just not really, like, I'm I'm just not really super tied into that. Because I know it's going to take me, I know that's going to take me longer. The to and throw of dealing with Siri to order the, the Uber is going to take me longer than just opening the app and pressing the button. Um, and because I'm also going to be opening the app anyway to check the progress of the person as they're, as they're coming to pick me up or from any, you know, any driving service. I'm just picking Uber because it's one that I've used in the past. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. I, I think that some of the Siri kit stuff hasn't worked the way that I want it. I mean, honestly, some of the things that I want and hope that they do would be, for example, so I could choose a podcast from Overcast because I would do that quite a lot with Siri, but that isn't a current Siri kit. Um, integration, which is which is crazy to me. They don't have a Siri integration for audio playing applications, but I hope that stuff happens because really, I think a lot of us just need the thing, whatever it is. That means that we'll start using it a little bit more, and it will open us up to to more of it. Uh, but for me, none of the stuff that they've put in has made me want to really kind of come back to it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Last two notes, Mike. Mm-hmm. Um, this one is kind of obvious, but I guess we need to mention it again, uh, especially in Italy and I guess in Europe. WhatsApp is the standard for group conversations. Uh, iMessage is mostly used for one-to-one conversations in my experience, especially with your partner. If they also have an iPhone, uh, then you're going to use iMessage. I think it makes more sense. But whenever the we need to arrange something, right, whether it's we're going out for dinner or we're going to the movies or... We need to, you know, uh, buy a friend a gift for mm-hmm. their birthday. The WhatsApp group is the default option. Sure. And if it's not WhatsApp, it's Facebook Messenger. This but is how they- I have a WhatsApp group with my family. You know, like I was spending some time in there today. Um, people, it is my birthday today. People were wishing me happy birthday yep. in the yep. in the WhatsApp group, right? Like that is a default way for members of my family for us all to share some thoughts together or whatever. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I see it happening all the time, right? Like, for any kind of social event or social gathering, uh, people create a WhatsApp group. Even if it gets discarded after, like, two days, people just create the group and then they're done with it. We went to Barcelona uh, to communicate. Uh, We were, you know, a group of friends with iPhones and Android phones. We just created a WhatsApp group and we, you you know, keep each other posted about our whereabouts and what we were doing. So, yeah. Um, finally, people love lyrics in Apple Music. It's something that I forgot existed. They just love them. 
I I was thinking about this today when I was kind of, I was looking over your notes. When I'm playing music, I'm not ever looking at my phone. You know what you need to keep in mind that I'm Italian, my friends are Italian. <laughs> when we're listening to music, and this is also this is also the case for me, which I speak English every day with you and others. But um uh when I listen to music, if I want to know all of the lyrics, I need to pay attention to them. So having lyrics in Apple Music, it's essential to know what a, what a song actually says, you know? Mm-hmm. Whereas I think it's easier for you guys to just listen to a song and you also know the lyrics because it's your first language. Yeah, I but get it, that. I get that. That makes a lot of sense. Makes a lot of sense. Yeah. So yeah, um, I have a few friends who are paying for Apple Music. Mm-hmm. Not as uh, Not as many are paying for Apple Music as much as they pay for iCloud, because I still have a few friends who are actually paying for Spotify. But those yep. who pay for Apple Music, they all mentioned, and now with the last update in September, they also got lyrics, which is very nice. And uh, they also noticed how um, in September, a lot of songs didn't have lyrics, but now when a new song comes out on Friday, either it comes out with lyrics built in, or they are added within like 24 hours right. if it's a popular song. So definitely definitely an improvement for you know Apple Music subscribers to have lyrics, and I also think Apple is getting better at licensing lyrics for popular songs that come out every week. Do you know where the lyrics come from? No, no idea. Okay. I think directly from the labels, because right. I, I, I think Apple cut deals with the, with the major uh, labels and with some indie labels as well to have lyrics in Apple Music. I right, think so that's what Apple they did. are doing it. They're not plugged into one of these lyrics websites or something. That it's, it's at least, well, we don't know. It's not public, right? They could be. I mean, they could be could paying be, a fee be. under the table to Genius or something. For all yeah. we know, right? Could could be, could yeah. be. But I, I don't think it's Genius because I see some differences differences between the lyrics on Genius and mm. the lyrics in Apple Music. Um, so if it's anyone, I think it could be some company like Shazam or Soundhound, maybe. Right, right. But I honestly think it's Apple just going directly to the labels and to the you know to Universal or to sure. Sony and be like, okay, how much do you want to have lyrics in Apple Music? They've got to come from somewhere, right? You yeah. Know? So yeah. surely the label should be the canonical source, basically the voice of the artist in these relationships. So. Yeah. yeah. Well, thank you, Federico, for your check-in. So we uh, we know how uh, we know how non-listeners yeah. of connected are dealing with their devices. You know, uh, I'm trying I, not to say no, normal people. I don't know if you've recognized that because I don't like no, that phrase, they, but I don't have a good phrase. No, I, I think it's great for for them to be called normal people because we are the abnormal ones here. Well, well yeah, know. but I, I don't know. No, I, no, I don't we, like we it. We are we are they are they are you know quality people they are normal human beings we are the problem obsessing over technology it's just sometimes when i hear that phrase it kind of i don't know like even though it seems like a nicer thing it seems like that people are talking down no no not at all not at all they are i actually have you know i think it's one of the best things that i do to to because it's easy to lose touch with the way that people yep. use technology, mm-hmm. and so when I say normal people, um, it, it's not condescending. It's not to make fun of them. It's actually because it's super valuable for me to to see how people use smartphones, to see how people use services and apps. I honestly, I think it makes my work better to know how people use this stuff because it's easy to you know to live in a in a glass cube and to be like I know all of technology I don't need to know anything else and it's not like that really 
uh, because it's easy to lose perspective and to lose touch with reality and with normal people. So it's it's not a derogatory type of thing. I have to say, I was super surprised, like on that train, that Adina took so well to the Hue lights. I thought that she was going to hate it, right? That it was going to be like, why are you doing this? <laughs> like, I don't want to use my phone to turn the lamp on and off. But it turns out that she really, really likes it. So I'm I'm very pleased about that. Mm-hmm. Um, I should mention, Mike, before we move on to the next uh, sad, very sad topic, um, that uh, my friends have a lot of requests for uh, things that I should mention on the show. Um, because they 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 are under the impression that if I complain about it, uh, things are going to change, uh, which is definitely not true. But I think they have a series of interesting complaints about iOS, about Apple Music, about iPad. Um, so maybe sometimes we should make a list of these complaints and talk about them because they're definitely actually interesting uh, points of you know how iOS could improve, for example. And I have a friend who uses the iPad um, to uh, mix music uh, he's a dance teacher, and he uses the iPad every day to create mixes for choreographies. So I have a, a I have a whole range of friends that do interesting things with their iOS devices. And at first, uh, you could think, well, people are just gonna have some stupid requests, and it's really not like that. So uh, uh, this is an experiment. It's really not an experiment. I don't want my friends to think they're they're being you know uh, subject to an experiment, but. I think I want to talk about more about how people see the iPhone, how people see, you know, what Apple is doing with the iPad. Um, mm-hmm. So expect me to come back with a list of complaints that <laughs> Apple may or may not fix or listen to. Uh, but, um, you know, my friends are going to be happy and I think it's going to make for a good show. So I am going to continue my reporting on the field, Mike, for you. Thank you so much. What will we do about you, Federico? <laughs> I'm just not sure. I'm just not sure. (laughs) I'll take a moment to thank our final sponsor for this week's show, and that is Blue Apron. For less than $10 a meal, Blue Apron delivers seasonal recipes along with fresh, high-quality ingredients to help you make delicious home-cooked meals. Blue Apron's mission is to make incredible home cooking accessible to everyone, whilst also supporting a more sustainable food system, setting the highest standards for ingredients and building a community of home chefs. Blue Apron Seafood is sourced sustainably, under standards developed in partnership with the Monterey Bay Aquarium Seafood Watch. Their beef, chicken, and pork come from responsibly raised animals, and their produce is sourced from farms that practice regenerative regenerative farming. That's a difficult word to say, I've just discovered. Each Blue Apron meal comes with a step-by-step, easy-to-follow recipe card and pre-proportioned ingredients that can be prepared in less than 40 minutes, which is awesome. So... Services like Blue Apron, right, they are going to be able to teach you skills. And what Blue Apron will help you do is learn how to cook because they have these great recipes and you'll be cooking with these great instructions a couple of times a week, maybe three times a week, something like that. That's what you choose. That's the route that you want to go. And you're going to learn how to chop stuff. You're going to learn things that you like. You're going to discover new ingredients that you didn't know you liked. You're going to be exposed to new types of food. And that is a kind of a world and life-changing experience. I know that this happened to me, where now there are different types of ingredients and meals that I thought I didn't like, but I've given them a try, and now I'm super happy that I did. And a lot of this stuff comes from variety, and Blue Apron have a huge variety of recipes every week. You can choose them yourself, or 
you can go that one step further and let Blue Apron's culinary team surprise you. No recipes are repeated within a year, and you'll be able to cook meals like cashew chicken stir-fry with tango mandarins and jasmine rice. Maybe you want to try chipotle vegetable and farro salad with avocado and crispy tortilla strips. Or what about vegetable rice bowls with cauliflower, gailan, and fried eggs? Blue Apron delivers to 99% of the continental U.S. There's no weekly commitment. You get the deliveries when you want them. And their freshness guarantee means that every ingredient arrives ready to cook or they'll make it right. Check out this week's menu and get three meals for free with free shipping by going to blueapron.com connected. You're going to love how good it feels and tastes to create incredible home-cooked meals with Blue Apron. So don't wait. Visit blueapron.com connected and we thank Blue Apron for their support of this show. And Relay FM, Blue Apron, a better way to cook. iOS 10.3 came out after the show last week, and there have been some additions in the iOS land that are interesting. Mm. Um, I guess maybe the, the biggest single user feature, depending on if you are a user of this product, is Find My AirPods, mm-hmm. which is now um, an inclusion in the Find My iPhone app, which yeah. desperately needs to be renamed considering the Find My iPhone app now includes a way for you to discover every single Apple device that you own. Find my stuff. Find my devices. I don't know anything, (laughs) but Find My iPhone doesn't work as a name for that app anymore. Um, But it does some interesting stuff. It does two things. It will help you find an AirPod that you may have dropped somewhere as it records Bluetooth locations, like where the devices actually were by using Bluetooth and GPS. And also, maybe you've like dropped it in your home. You're able to make the AirPods make a very loud noise which is kind of incredible, to the point that they say, when you're testing this, do not have them in your ears. And I've played around a bit, and you do not want to put them in your ears. Yeah. I I used the feature uh, when one of my AirPods rolled under the bed, and it definitely works. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's a little tricky. Uh, I I feel like the Find My iPhone app, besides the name, needs to be uh, redesigned because it's a little slow to use, right? You're in a hurry, you want to find your phone, you... It's just too many taps, you know? You just got to log in, and then you got to pick a device, and then you got to do the thing with the device. Just could be faster, mm-hmm. you know? Could be faster. It turns out that theater mode wasn't a mm-hmm. watch over, wasn't a, an iOS thing after all. It had nothing to do with, with iOS. It's actually coming to watchOS. <laughs> it, it, it is a button in the... In, in, the... in watchOS control center, yeah, not yes. regular control center. Yeah, I'm starting to see where some of this might have got lost, right? Mm-hmm. Like somebody said, oh, this thing's coming. It's called theater mode. It's going to be in control center. But they were talking about the watch yeah. and, and not the, the iPhone as we expected. Um, so it's not a dark mode. Um, as the internet believed that it was, we we thought that it might be, but it was fun to watch. I mean, we were waiting for 10.3 to drop for reasons that we're going to talk about in a little bit. And every now and then I would search on Twitter, iOS 10.3, just see what people were saying. I was just interested. Everyone was talking about, can't wait for 10.3 and get my dark mode. Like it was just like a thing that people just expected. And it's just interesting to see how some of these rumors start to break outside and, and people just start to make these expectations. Anyway, Theater mode is basically a way for you to turn off notifications when you're in a theater. It's it's actually a good thing. So what it does is you enable it. You press the little button. It doesn't. It's not a popcorn. It's the um, comedy tragedy masks, mm-hmm. uh, which kind of look horrifying as a as a little glyph. The tragedy mask just looks, they do 
terrified. Yeah. It doesn't look sad. It looks just like a horrified thing. Um, and basically, you, you you turn it on and it stops the rays to wake. So when you raise your arm, the screen won't come on, which is a total thing that annoys me when I'm in the cinema. And also, when you receive notifications, the watch will not light up. You have to either tap the screen or click the digital crown to be able to see notifications, but you will still get the haptics so you know that they're coming in. I think that that is a good, uh, a good thing to have. Uh, it may come to other devices. James Thompson, developer of PCALC, in our chat room is saying that he believes that theater mode will be on iOS 2 by the time that 10.3 ships. I think that'd be great if it was. Um, I don't know what that would look like, honestly, um, or if they'd even call it theater mode, uh, but that would be cool because I have race to awake now, right, with the phones. It's the same problem. Um, so we'll see what happens there uh, APFS, the Apple file system is now running on iOS devices this was a huge surprise um, did not expect that what Apple referred to as 2017 for APFS would begin in January mm-hmm. uh, I installed the beta on my 12.9 inch iPad Pro and seemed to go fine the upgrade took yeah. noticeably longer than usual yes, same on the, same on the iPhone because I assume it's doing a bunch of stuff, a bunch of stuff that I don't understand in the background to make the file system switch over. And I'll say I have not noticed any problems on my iPad. Um, I will say that it did seem to do something weird to iCloud when I updated. All of my devices were acting strangely where iCloud was involved. Uh, but I can't pinpoint what that was. I mean, these issues always happen with iOS betas. If you are logged Can in I... with your standard iCloud account, you're going to find some weirdness, which is fine. I mean, I know the, the these problems going in, but uh, I feel like I want to try out this stuff. Can I tell you something, Mike? Yes. Um, because everybody... Uh, I, I think a lot of people like to pretend that they know what they're talking about Well, when we're talking about file systems. So I'm just going to come clean. I have no idea. No, I have no but, idea. This well, isn't I, a thing I that I've spent no, much time with. I never I never understood what the discussion about the macOS file system was. I have no idea what APFS is. I just know that it's a thing called file system, and I know it does stuff. It's where um, everything's logged, right? I you, guess, you know that yeah. Much, I guess. Uh, but but I have, we don't need I to know that. Have, <laughs> I don't think yeah. people are coming to Connected for their file system stuff. No. They go to ATP <laughs> for that. Yes. So this is the opposite, right? <laughs> they talk about all of the file system stuff and we oh, talk yes. about none of it, right? Like that is the balance. They know a lot. They know a lot. They know their file systems, whereas mm-hmm. we don't. Uh, maybe Steven does. Maybe Steven now is listening to the show. And oh, he like, definitely oh, does. He definitely yeah. does. But like, you know, if you think about like with the, you know, we, we were talking about those comedy and tragedy masks earlier on, right? They're like complete opposites of each other. You can decide which show you think is the comedy mask and which show is the tragedy mask. That is <laughs> that is up to you to decide, um, depending on your file system tastes. I, I want I want both of my of the those icons to be the smiley ones. Is that too much to ask? There, yeah, there's enough it's... tragedy to I mean do we do we need it in do the icon? Do we need icon more as tragedy well? Apple do, really? Do, you know? do we need the icon too? Come on, make them both happy faces instead also, of Also, you know. I mean, I know it's theater mode and you're trying to be fancy by giving it a theater connotation, but you may as well call it cinema mode. Come on. Come on. Come on, Apple. You yeah, know. but Amer- Americans don't don't say let's go to the cinema. You and I, we do. Uh, Americans don't. Yeah, but they're using like uh, iconography of traditional theater, like plays, right. kind of, not sort of an movies. In- intellectual iconography. Yeah, you know, I feel oh, like let, it's too much. Let's go to the theater, my dear. <laughs> <laughs> Great accent, just uh, fantastic. 
Um, there was a bunch of new <laughs> stuff in regards to the way that developers uh, will be able to deal with app review, app store reviews, we should call it, rather than mm. app reviews. I'll yeah. put a link in the show notes to Under the Radar number 64, um, underscore, and Marco had a great discussion about this as developers, considering they had only very recently recorded an episode about dealing with uh, app reviews, reviews from your customers. Um, in a nutshell, there's going to be a new standardized prompt for people to get reviews. So you would be in an application and a, and a modal dialog will pop up and say, hey, would you like to review this app? So that is a thing that will be standardized. So applications will hopefully stop bothering you for it. And there are a bunch of rules around that. And also developers will be able to reply to reviews now. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of the big stuff in a nutshell. They were the things that we saw. However, the story for us on this show is what mm-hmm. we didn't see. Um, and it is something that we have been talking about a lot recently as if it was a given, mm-hmm. which is changes for the iPad in iOS 10.3. Yeah. And to give a very brief summary on why we expected this, um, iOS 9.3 was a big release mm-hmm. last year. There were a lot of things. Apple did the big preview. And they had some features for the iPad, but they were focused towards education, primarily. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And iOS 9 was a major iPad release. That was when we got all of our multitasking. That was when we got all that fun stuff. iOS 10 had no f- iPad-focused features. So looking at all of that history, combined with some rumblings that had been felt through yeah. certain birdies we should say Mm -hmm. yes we were under a very strong belief and assumption that ios 10.3 would see some additional features for the ipad especially as we have been considering very strongly that there are going to be new ipads released in the spring especially this 10.5 inch ipad which we've been talking Mm -hmm. about for months now yeah so in regards to the iPad, Steve Troughton-Smith did what he always does, and he found some super weird stuff, like a one-hand floated keyboard, yeah. that, like a little iPhone keyboard that floats around the UI that is there, and also a gestural-based keyboard. So like kind of like the one in Swift Playgrounds. So you can swipe up and down, left and right, to get different... Um, what you feel like? Different keyboard keys i can't think mm-hmm. of a good a good phrase for that unfortunately i do apologize but i think you can get what i mean to bring up like punctuation marks and stuff like that instead of going to a different thing you just swipe up on a key and you'll get that instead of like hitting a couple of buttons to be able to bring that sort of stuff up now that's kind of and this is this isn't even stuff that is in the the beta right like it's just code that he's been able to unearth none of these mm. features are there so federico mm. When are we seeing new features, software features for the iPad? Are they still going to be in 10.3, do you believe? Or will we we be waiting to have them previewed to us at maybe WWDC with nothing actually released until September? What do you think? So I don't think it's going to be 10.3 at this point. And my expectations uh, for 10.3 have been high since last year. Because very... Clearly, from multiple people, I heard um, Apple is working on some big changes to the iPad software, and it was set to be released in 2017, possibly early, which is exactly what I wrote 
in my article last year, possibly early 2017. But you know, this stuff happens. Um, and my interpretation, so this is just my understanding, is that whatever Apple is working on is still big, still some big changes, um, but a decision was made a while back to postpone it. You know, it cannot be delayed if it's not announced and everything you want, you know. But this is how this stuff works internally, right? Decisions are made and stuff gets a new release date. Yep. Uh, so my understanding, and this is just my you know personal opinion, is that we're going to have some nice announcements at WWDC. I feel like iOS 11 at this point, or whatever it's called, uh, it's going to have it's going to have an iPad focus. Uh, I don't think we're going to see iPad stuff in 10.3 and I think it's very unlikely that we're going to see something else between 10.3 and 11 that is just an an iPad release, right? Uh, I I don't think we'll get a major iPad release in late April or mid-May, right? With WWDC in June. So I definitely believe I'm I'm sure that Apple has some big iPad changes in the works in terms of software Um, and I'm hoping at this point it's going to be WWDC uh, which it, it, it makes it even better for me because it's going to be a fun weekend. It's going to be a fun summer to review, you know, iPad stuff in iOS 11, just like I did for iOS 9. That was very yeah. fun. Um, but I don't know at this point what it means for the iPad hardware because we talk about software, but what does it mean for the hardware? And there's an interesting rumor from the end of December from Mac Rumors that they questioned whether the new iPads could come out in the spring because of some issues that Apple hit with the production of the iPads. Yeah, it was in regards to the A10X chips, the, the, like the, the companies right. working on the A10X chips, uh, they, they didn't seem to be able to get the yield ready for when was needed, and actual production wouldn't be beginning on those chips until sometime in Q1. Um, so there is an argument there that either... Apple wouldn't maybe be able to start shipping them in Q2 or then would maybe just wait because maybe Q2 is not the right time for Mm -hmm. them. Which is interesting, right? Because if you combine this rumor with no iPad releasing, you know, no software release, but, you know, it wouldn't be impossible for Apple to release new iPads without major software changes. Both iPad Pros have not been released with software changes. Exactly. This happened before. Both the big iPad Pro in November 2015 and the small iPad Pro last year, they didn't get an iPad-specific software release. They were just announced and they were just released with adaptations for the new devices. So it wouldn't be unprecedented for Apple to have a new hardware release without the software to go with it. Um, I I strongly believe 100% that we're going to we're going to see major changes to the iPad software, uh, and I have a I have a strong feeling it's going to be this year uh, because I always heard it was going to be this year. It just depends when, but I think it's going to be a f- very fun, very interesting 2017 for uh, you know people who work on the iPad. Uh, so I was hoping personally it was going to be the spring. Doesn't look it's going to be the spring. If it's June with the releases in September. We're just gonna have to wait a little longer. It's disappointing, right? Because uh, we're not getting an iPad release since iOS nine, basically. Two years. Be it's two years. two years, and it's and it's and it's disappointing. And I wonder what's going on inside Apple that basically uh, allows them to release new iPad features only every two years. Um, that's another topic. That's another problem. But it, you know, I'm I'm excited to see what we get. 
Uh, I have no idea. I have only heard, you know, speculation that I don't want to talk about now. We can talk about it when we do our iOS 11 show. Uh, but yes, I think it's going to be fun. I would be, rumors aside, I would be very surprised if there is no iPad hardware before September. Mm-hmm. Um, just because I, it would it would just be an interesting thing to me because it would be bunching everything up. Um, it would be a, a great surprise to me if if the twelve point nine inch iPad Pro is two years old before it's updated. Um, that that would that would be an interesting decision that that doesn't feel like it would be the right one. However, my belief on this is. If we don't see anything until September, I think the reason is clear. I, I think that they maybe could have released it before, but I would expect that a lot of Apple's hardware teams, um, especially focused around iOS devices, have a cutoff point before they are all put on the iPhone every year. So like, I would expect that like, if it can't be Q1, even if they could do it in Q2, I don't feel like they would because they need to make sure all focus is ready on getting the iPhone production done. Right. right. And that it doesn't matter if all it would take is like a month to get the iPads out. They do not have the ability to delay the iPhone. That is the product that has to ship. And if it means that we don't get any iPads for six months because of it, even if it didn't need that much time, I feel like that they will probably prioritize and it's, for the company the right thing to do because you could make the greatest iPad ever conceived like the iPad that changes everything but if it doubled the amount of units it sold it doesn't make a difference right <laughs> because the iPad sells at uh, the iPhone is doing billions of dollars of revenue every quarter for them and the iPad isn't going to do that no matter what they do to it right it, it, not in one revision they're not going to make one iPad that it's like, oh, well, now the iPad's the biggest product. Who knows what the future might hold, right? We don't know. I mean, it feels unlikely, but you never know. But right now, I feel like you would get to a certain point, and if the iPad's not done, well, the iPad's just going to have to wait until the iPhone's done now because the iPhone has to take priority. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I get that. I get that. Yeah. But it'll upset me. <laughs> We were talking about this last week a bunch, right, over iMessage. And I think my current feeling is if I could choose new software or new hardware for a reason I can't explain, I would want new hardware before new software. Mm. I don't know why that is. My iPads, I have no problem with them. But I am so, like, hyped up in my own brain for this theoretical 10.5-inch iPad I want that more than than any yeah. than software. Yeah, I feel like uh, I'm the opposite. That 10.5 is the thought of that Federico is so perfect for me. It is all of the resolution and in a much smaller package. That is exciting to me as an idea. I still foresee myself keeping the 12 night, right, and using it for media, but just for like my general work machine. That just changes everything for me. Being able to have these two apps side by side in a size of the current regular iPad size, that is so exciting to me. And and I think that Apple is going to do this because it seems like a very logical step. And I just hope that that logical step happens this year. You know, like just because something's logical and we've all worked out that it's possible 
doesn't mean that it's coming as soon as we've all worked it out. Like that's not how product development works. But it's like a lot of things, a lot of things that are Apple rumors, they start off as just being like, this is the logical thing that we can see. So they surely are working on it. And nine times out of ten, they are because people at Apple are very smart. And if something seems logical and doable, then they'll do it. But it doesn't mean that it's going to happen immediately. So right. like, I, I'm very, very certain that an iPad described as the way that we have described it recently in the same size with a larger screen with the the resolution, you know, the, the, the dimensions of the 12.9 that is feels like an inevitable product to me. Mm-hmm. Whether it comes in 2016, sorry, when it, whether it comes in 2017, mm-hmm. 2018 or 2019 remains to be seen. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. But I still have my bet on 2017 for it. Just because the rumblings are so strong on this. Um, like the, the rumors that we're seeing from relatively credible sources seem so strong. And yeah. there hasn't been anything to refute it yeah. would would suggest to me that we're going to see it. I would say, though, that if Apple have delayed this product from the original timescales that they have set, I would expect to see like a fast company report on that mm. to, to, to tamper down expectation. Yeah, I see what you mean. I see what you mean. But yeah, but maybe I, the iPad again is just not not important enough from a PR perspective know. that they feel they need to do that. I don't know. I don't know. It's uh, I think it'll be interesting to 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 hear if Tim Cook has anything to say about iPads um, today. Oh yes, the, it's the earnings call. Yeah, the I, earnings yes. call mm-hmm. tonight, uh, which we're gonna follow. At least I'm going to follow it with all of my automations and workflows. Um, but I can tell you this, Mike. Um, I've been hearing about these iPad software changes since last WWDC. And whenever I talk to people, they're they're so excited, Uh, possibly even more than when iOS 9 was coming out. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So it makes me very excited, right? Um, But we still have to wait. I think um, all of our iPad hopes and dreams will be... um, satisfied this year and i think it's going to make me both happy and um i'm trying to find a good adjective to describe how i'm gonna feel this summer when i'm gonna write the ios 11 review uh maybe there's no right way to put it it's gonna be both fantastic and terrible at the same time yeah because I know what's going to happen, right? Because I remember when I wrote my iOS 9 review and I remembered the iPad section. So, yeah. Yeah, and the iOS 9 review is very different in style and theme to the 10 review. The 9 review right. was more, yes. these are my opinions. Mm-hmm. But the 10 review, and I think it's safe to say the reviews that you're going to write subsequently are, yes. here is absolutely everything. Yes, and yes. yeah, and I feel that you would probably struggle <laughs> to write about big changes to the iPad and not say, "Here's absolutely everything," and here's one hundred percent of all of the <laughs> thoughts that I have on this. <laughs> so you're now you're getting my 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 problem, right? My yeah. my it's like a yin and yang situation only about iPads. 
basically. It's like, I'm super happy this stuff is happening, but also, am I gonna die uh, when I work on this? So, yeah, the funnier uh, mic I had. But we're very sad. I just we? want everyone to know. We've, well, we are. We were, I think me and you especially, we were very anxious for 10.3. Because oh, we yeah. thought that it was going to yes. give us what we were looking for, and it didn't. And kids, this is the problem with believing your own rumors. Mm-hmm. <laughs> when you when you when you talk about something enough, and then you feel like it's true, and then it mm-hmm. doesn't happen. That that's mm-hmm. that's what we have experienced in the last week. Yeah, it's like it's like uh, it's like when 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 I figured out that Santa wasn't real whoa whoa spoilers you're gonna bleep me out spoilers <laughs> i mean no, I come think on i blocked you enough you know <laughs> we don't know who's listening man spoilers you can find our show notes today at relay.fm slash connected slash 127 thanks again to our lovely sponsors mac weldon encapsula and blue apron if you want to find federico online he's at macstories.net and he is at batici on twitter v-i-t-i-c-c-i if you uh, want to try and help us find Stephen, um, he is at ISMH on Twitter. I don't know if you're able to help us actually find him. We don't know where he is. As we said, some kind of vision quest trying to help brand the new version of the Mac OS. Um, and he is at 512pixels.net. I am at iMike, I-M-Y-K-E. We'll be back next time. Until then, say goodbye, Federico. Arrivederci. Adios.